Hey church, I don't know about you, but I am really missing meeting together in person. But we know that God is bigger than the situation that we're in, that he has it in control, and that we trust we'll be back together at the right time. But for now, we're continuing with church online and today we are wrapping up our series everyday supernatural i uh, i hope you've enjoyed it so far i know a few of you have got hold of the book by mike and andy uh, it's fantastic isn't it and and it's been great to have so many of you join us at life group as well there's been some awesome discussion times and and just time waiting on god and seeing how he wants to move uh, on those evenings we're on again this week so i encourage you to join in on wednesday 7:30 on zoom you know one of the things that that life group enables us to do uh, is to have this opportunity of of kind of hearing testimonies of how people are actually living out this everyday supernatural life and we've heard some uh, some of those stories in the past few weeks uh, on a sunday as well but I just wanted to, uh, to give you an opportunity to just hear one more of these testimonies. So have a listen to this from Alicia. Good morning, church. Most of you know that I work as a prison chaplain and last year I worked at HMP Garth one day a week. It's a long-term high security male prison in Leyland. I was asked a few times to cover the Catholic Bible study, which was a real privilege. And one of the topics I decided to cover was hearing from God. We did a Bible study, but it wasn't always easy. The group was a real mixed bunch. Some of the guys didn't know how to navigate their way around the Bible, or even that there was an Old and a New Testament. And many had not had the personal encounter with God that we've all had, many of us have had the privilege of. Some weeks they'd turn up with red eyes, stoned and uh, agitated, wound up, um, just in different states. You never knew what you were going to get from one week to the next. It was a real mixed bag. At one of these studies, we shared scripture together and uh, at the end of it, I encouraged them to sit in silence and expect to hear from God. I'd explained how prayer is a two-way thing. In this space, God spoke. I got a picture for a guy called Anthony. Now, Anthony was by far the loudest in the group. He was struggling with a spice addiction and had been for some time. But he had a huge heart and he came most weeks to seek to understand the things of God. Anthony had been working on a top secret project in the prison with a handful of other selected guys. He'd been making things for the family days, special time in prison where families can come and spend time, quality time with their dads. He'd been working on a 3D jigsaw amongst other things. Now I wasn't to know this. I had no clue about it and he knew there was no way that I would know. But God knew. And the picture God gave me was of a 3D jigsaw. And he told me to share with Anthony um, that prior to being and seeking God, his life was kind of two-dimensional. And when he invited God in, it became three-dimensional and suddenly there was depth meaning, purpose, destiny and substance in Anthony's life and that was the word I had. Anthony's reaction was priceless. He was incredibly shocked, gobsmacked even. He explained to the whole group in a very animated fashion 
how I, that must be God speaking and how there was no way that I was to know about this top secret project, which was no longer secret. He was utterly blown away that God knew him and his project and would speak to him so specifically and powerfully into his life in that prison chapel. The group was all touched and challenged and I think a little bit more convinced about the reality of God and how God is interested and is involved in the detail of our ordinary little lives. How cool is that? God is interested in our detail, in our ordinary lives, so good. And I love how God chose to work through the loudest guy in the group. You know, I've heard loads of stories about uh, it being the, the leader of a gang who gets impacted first. If you can reach the main guy, then the rest will follow. In fact, there's one in chapter 10 of the book. So if you've got it, go and take a read of that. It's brilliant. So as we, uh, as we come to the end of this series, we just wanted to focus back in again on the purpose of living uh, an everyday supernatural life. And that is quite simply for the sake of the world. You know, as Jesus was about to, uh, to leave his disciples and take his, his place at the right hand of the Father, he told them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait to wait for the promise that had been given to them. And then he encouraged them with these words in Acts chapter 1. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Father sent the Son and the Son sent the Holy Spirit, and now we are being sent to our town, to our county, to our country, and to the end of the earth with power. The Spirit comes to the church en route to the world. It's not to stay with us as the church, but to move through us into our world. Jesus fills us with the Spirit in order that we might go not stay and enjoy it in the comfort of our homes or our church or our life group, but in order that we might go and demonstrate his love, demonstrate his grace, demonstrate his kingdom in our world. Living an everyday supernatural life is one with the purpose of sharing Jesus with others. You know, I love a freebie. I've already mentioned it uh, before in this series. And over lockdown part one, as I like to call it, Jo messaged us to say that she'd got a free boiler using this government grant scheme and that we should check it out. And so we did, we got online, we checked it out. And within three weeks, we had a brand new boiler and underfloor insulation installed for free. How amazing is that? You know, when we get something, especially something that's for free, and we know that it can help out someone else, why the heck would we not share it? And so we have this, this free gift called grace, this unconditional love from our Heavenly Father that we've been commissioned to share with everyone that we meet. We know how good it is, we know how amazing it is to live in God's 
fullness and to live in relationship with him, you know, it's even better than a free boiler. So why the heck would we not share it? And so when it comes to to telling people about the good news of Jesus, everything that we've been talking about throughout this series comes into play. Stepping out in faith, recognizing our own weakness, choosing obedience, listening to God, praying for healing. We need to apply all of it. We are created and called to do this outside of the church setting and in our world. You know, people aren't saved by a prophetic word and they don't have their sins forgiven by receiving a healing miracle. It's only through trust in Jesus, his death, his resurrection. That's what has the power to save. However, the supernatural can reveal Jesus. We've seen, you know, the the acts of the supernatural point to Jesus. They point to his glory. And actually, as a consequence, people begin to put their trust in him. 3,000 were added to the church on the day of Pentecost after people witnessed a mighty move of the Spirit and believers speaking in tongues. 5,000 came to believe, as we said last week, when Peter healed a lame man. It says, multitudes of men and women came to faith because of the many signs and wonders of the apostles. So it's clear that acts of supernatural point to Jesus. In John's gospel, he wrote, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, not just what he wrote, many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. He knew that hearing about these miracles can lead us to faith in Jesus. Another great example of this happening is from John chapter 4. And and Jesus and the disciples had been walking along in the heat of the day and, and they arrived at a well. And Jesus sends all of the disciples off to the nearby town to pick up some lunch. And and maybe you have to wonder why he sent all of the disciples to do that. But then as we read the Gospels, we recognise it would probably take all of the disciples just to find Tesco. And so while they're off sorting out lunch, a Samaritan woman arrives at the well and she begins to draw some water. And so Jesus strikes up a conversation with her by asking for a drink. Now, in this, uh, in this culture, Jewish men did not talk to women they didn't know. And not only that, they definitely didn't talk to Samaritans. They were like the enemy. These two cultures just hated each other. And so this interaction was really unusual between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And having asked for a drink, Jesus actually suggests to her that it's her that should be asking him for a drink. It says this, 
If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Up until this stage, the woman still had no idea what was going on. But then a breakthrough came when Jesus made this comment. He says, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one, you're now, the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. You know, I love the way that Jesus in this interaction is able to to not only reveal this woman's shameful past, he's able to affirm her at the same time. He's basically giving us a masterclass in using prophecy. And he's also, you know, because he's able to, to strengthen and to encourage and to comfort through his words. And he's also giving us a masterclass in how the everyday supernatural can actually play a role in evangelism, in sharing about God's love and God's grace. You know, it's because of this one prophetic word that the woman suddenly began to realise who Jesus was. And then she runs back to her town saying, come and see the man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah. And so the whole town, it says, followed her back to Jesus. Now, it's quite possible that they just wanted to get the gossip of what it was that she'd been up to, but they came with her nonetheless. And it says that many of them go on to put their trust in Jesus as the saviour of the world. This impact, this, this ripple effect, all stemmed from one single prophetic word. And in delivering it, Jesus was kind. He treated this woman with dignity when many wouldn't have. And he openly told her about himself. You know, if we're to be effective in sharing the good news of Jesus to those in our world, then we need to learn to move in this everyday supernatural life that we're talking about. Just like the first believers, we are called to proclaim the kingdom and to demonstrate the kingdom. And that means that we can't just talk the talk, we also have to walk the walk. Just as, as Jesus sent his disciples out, he's also sending us out. He told the disciples that they should wait and that they will receive the Spirit. That is a promise you will receive the Spirit, that they might become his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He sent them out, and he's sending us out. We are sent, but not alone. You see, he's coming with us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And the Spirit isn't just simply power for witness, he's a partner with us in this great commission. You know, many of, uh, many of you know that I went to King Edward's, the posh school, as my uh, 
friends at church youth group would often remind me and the choice of sport at uh, King Ted's was rugby. Now I'm not the most athletic person as you can see I would much prefer to chill out on the sofa with a movie than watch sport let alone actually play it. But Wednesday afternoons of my high school years were spent running around well more accurately standing around in a muddy field in shorts and t-shirt playing rugby. Now high school's a funny time isn't it because you're at that age where you can have kids who are giants. On the one hand you can have this hulk of a lad that is built like anything and then next to him you can have this tiny scrawny little runt. Well I think you can tell where I fit into that picture I am still waiting for my growth spurt and it seemed to the joy of the PE teachers that they liked to pitch against each other hulks versus runts. And so somehow when I inevitably found myself holding the rugby ball, these hulks would be bearing down on me. And in that moment, one of the most comforting things that you can hear are the words, with you. Someone on your team is letting you know that you're not alone, that they are close by. And so whenever I heard those words, with you, my tactic was generally to pass the ball to them as quickly as I possibly could in the hopes that I didn't get tackled with full force of these Hulk-like giants crushing me on the ground. You know, when we follow the calling that God's placed on all of our lives as believers to share the good news of Jesus, we don't go alone. We have a partner in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes sh sharing the gospel might feel a bit daunting, like standing on the rugby pitch. But every time the ball lands in your hand, every time an opportunity presents itself to share the gospel, he shouts, with you, with you. We're sent, but not alone. You know, there are a bunch of different methods of, of sharing the gospel, but the more time I spend reading the Jesus story, the more I see his main focus was on relationship. Now, don't get me wrong, God can give us words for strangers and he can use us to heal people that we have never met, but I believe that we should start in relationship. So before you, you run off and find a stranger to pray for, why don't you ask yourself, am I praying for my non-Christian friends, family and neighbours? When, when they were last sick, did I offer to pray for them? When they were last stressed and they, they reached out to us, did we ask God for a word that would strengthen and encourage and comfort them? Are we regularly praying for each other as a church family? You know, if you're anything like me, then praying for strangers is way out of your comfort zone. It really does feel like standing on that pitch, cold and wet and shivering and shaking, petrified of what might happen. But when we're regularly praying for those that we're in relationship with, our friends and our family, 
Perhaps the next time an opportunity arises to pray for a stranger, we'll be more willing to step out. You know, we need to approach this, uh, this idea of living an everyday supernatural life with everyday expectation. We're called Hope Church Lytham. And one of the reasons behind this is the biblical definition of hope, a confident expectation. Because we believe that we should be living a life with confident expectation that God is with us, that he is for us, that the best is yet to come. And we should have a confident hope that when we pray for the sick, they will be healed. When we need a miracle, God will provide, that he will make a way where there seems to be none. God wants us to proclaim and to demonstrate his kingdom. And so we can have a confident expectation that he will enable us to move in the supernatural when the time is right. So we need to have a, a, an everyday expectation. And we also need to look for everyday opportunities. Last week, I, uh, I preached about healing. And then just this week, a friend told me that he was in pain. And so I was able to pray with him, albeit by the method of WhatsApp. But who's to say God can't move through the power of technology? Do you know, it would have been so easy for me to just say, oh man, that's really rubbish. I, I hope you get better soon and then, and then move on with my day. But this everyday opportunity presented itself to me. And so it was time that I didn't just talk the talk, but I walked the walk. And so I chose to pray. I chose to step out in faith in what is actually just quite an everyday, ordinary, simple uh, opportunity but I chose to stand and ask God for complete healing. Do you know, it's easy to skip over uh, or even miss these opportunities, but we need to look out for them and we need to listen for how God might be prompting us each day. And I think what you'll find is that these everyday opportunities, they crop up, well, almost every day. And as well as everyday opportunities, we also need to have everyday courage. Even praying for people that you know takes courage and then to keep going, to keep praying takes perseverance. You know, if like me you think that fear may get in the way of, of moving in faith, then pray for boldness. Supernatural boldness has nothing to do with your personality or your earthly confidence. It's a gift from God when you need it the most. And as we partner with God, he enables us to step out of fear and step into faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You know, faith is a huge part in living out this everyday supernatural life. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And with faith, all things are possible. Truth, true faith is, is deep rooted in the trust in God's character, 
It's not just about miracles or, or prophecy or healing. It's about relationship. Faith is found in trusting God. It's in our loyalty to Jesus. And so growing in faith then is ultimately about learning to know, leaning into and depending on God's character, his goodness, his mercy and his compassion. You can't grow in faith simply by willing it to happen. It comes from spending time in the Bible and allowing God to reveal his character to us. You know, I really hope and pray that as we've gone through this series, as we've listened to some of the testimonies, that your faith has grown like it has mine. I hope that it's not just been something nice to hear on a Sunday, but that it's given you the courage to put it into practice on a Monday. Before I wrap up, I just want to give one final thought. You know, success in living out this everyday supernatural life is not about getting everything right. It's about keeping going. It's about perseverance. James writes this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance Finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. It won't always be easy. We won't always see the miracle, hear the right word or get the healing. But we are encouraged to persevere, to keep on, to keep running the race. The spirit-filled life as modelled by Jesus is one where we selflessly give of ourselves to the poor, to the prisoner, to the blind, to the oppressed and anyone else who needs help. And as the spirit draws us into the work of advancing the kingdom, so we'll find ourselves drawn towards dying to self and living for others demonstrating and acting out this unconditional love of God. That's what it's all about. I'll end with this quote from William Carey, dubbed as the father of modern missions. He said this, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Why don't we pray? Father God, we thank you for the, uh, the promise that we will receive your Holy Spirit. That as we wait on you, you will uh, equip us and empower us with everything that we need in order to go about and live this everyday supernatural life that you, was, you have called us to. We thank you that the pressure isn't on our shoulders uh, to perform miracles, to bring healings, to give prophetic words, but that all of that comes from you and we are just a conduit you just use us to pass these things on and so god i pray you'll give us the boldness and the courage and the perseverance to keep on trying these things out having a go beginning with those that are close to us that we love and that we know but then having the boldness to go out there and to to speak into the lives of those we don't know and we pray that all of this 
comes about for your glory, to advance your kingdom so that as many people as possible will come to know you as Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name we pray.